0: Welcome to the Vineyard Altoona podcast. If you have any questions or just want more information, you can visit our website at vineyardaltuna.org or any of our social media platforms at Vineyard Altoona. And now, here's Evan with the message. The reason I am a little disheveled is because I spent the last two days on the third floor of our educational wing, kids' wing, um, at a conference with college students called the Jubilee Conference. Yeah, they're here. They're here. Um, It was a great time. Normally, we take students to Pittsburgh. Normally, we all pile onto a bus, and we drive out to Pittsburgh, and it's a fantastic time. And I wouldn't be here, because I would be in Pittsburgh with students. And it's incredible. It's an amazing time. So this is our first ever Jubilee Sunday. That was the response I was hoping for. Thanks for catching up. so what we want to do today is kind of help you understand what this Jubilee conference is because it's something that I've been doing for a number of years and that transformed my life and is part of the reason I do the work I do today. And we wanted to share that with y'all um, and hopefully continue to share it in the future as we hopefully go to Jubilee every year from here on. But the last couple of years, Jubilee has been virtual due to the pandemic, um, uh, but this year uh, we with our, our, I just came on staff with the Vineyard uh, a couple years ago, and it's as we've, uh, this was our great opportunity to use this building. Uh, Of course, we just moved in here not too long. It was a great opportunity to use this building. We put a projector up, and we had these big speakers, and we got as close as we could. I even used a microphone for, like, all 15 students that were there, and I was like, this is going to be really obnoxious. Just deal with it, okay? And they loved it. It was fantastic. So, um, so again, we, we spent the last couple days doing this, um, and Friday night into Saturday, I think I got like three, maybe three and a half hours of sleep on an air mattress. I'm still recovering. So if any of this message feels disheveled to you this morning, that's why. Um, if, if any of this message speaks to you and comes together and, and helps uh, move you along in your journey in faith at all, it's because we serve a good God, and he uses broken people to redeem and restore his world, to move his people forward. And so um, uh, we're going we're to dive into Jubilee a little bit. I want to read a passage from Exodus, and then I want to talk to you a little bit about my own Jubilee experience, walk you through what Jubilee is, and, and, and like what some of what we learned this weekend was, um, and then also we're going to have a few students come up and tell you about their experience towards the end. Um, so... Um, I was going to read this passage first, but I'm feeling a little woo-woo. So I'm going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to come. So Holy Spirit, come. God, you are good. You are good. And you have not given up on us, a broken people. But God, you pursue us. You come after us. You seek to transform us into the image and likeness of your son. So God, would you just fill me this morning with your spirit? Spirit, would you use me this morning to speak, to open up the scriptures, to give a testimony of what it is you have done in my life, in the lives of students this weekend. I pray for our students who are going to be speaking that you'd be with them as well. Father, that you would just use us to testify to the work that you are doing in the world and to invite all of us to join you in that work. I pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, amen. We're going to turn to the book of Exodus. Um, If you want to turn with me, you can. Otherwise, it'll be on the screen. We're in chapter 34 this morning. Starting at verse 29. I love the Old Testament. It is, uh, it's just, I love, it's like, I can't come up with a metaphor. I'm too tired. Um, But for me, it's like something that you, you can't quite understand. You're like, this makes no sense. I don't really understand this. It's kind of vague. It's weird. I don't get it. But then when you sit down and you start to unpack it, you're like, oh, that's so cool. Anyway, that's what it's like. Sorry, I didn't have a metaphor for you. Exodus chapter 34, starting at verse 29, the context is that the Israelites are out in the desert, okay? They've left Egypt, they're on their way to the promised land, they're relearning what it means to be the people of God, okay? And we encounter Moses, and he's gone up to Mount Sinai to meet with the Lord, okay? Starting at verse nine, it says, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses and behold, the skin of his face shone And they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him. And Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the people of Israel came near. And he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the people of Israel what was commanded, the people of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face was shining, and Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went in to speak with him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we're going to come back to this passage a little bit later, okay? This is, this, is, this is like the setup for later. So just take that story and kind of like set it to the side for a minute because we're going to come back to it a little bit later. And, and I want to tell you a different story, and that's, that's my story, a little bit of my story. Um, I grew up in the church. I've told some of you have heard this story before. I grew up in the church. My dad was a Presbyterian pastor. I had a really good foundation of faith. Parents, if you're raising your kids to believe in Jesus, good work, okay? It, it does make a difference, okay? Um, I, I had a really good foundation of faith. They exposed me to church, to the scriptures, um, to learning about God, to, to, to following God, to praying, all of these things, what it looked like to be a person of faith. Now, of course, I was young and I was all over the place, and so I didn't get everything right away. Um, I, one thing I reflect on a lot is, like, I wonder how much they told me that I didn't remember that later on I was like, I wish they would have told me this. And if I talked to them about those things, my parents would be like, yeah, we, we did. We had that conversation. You don't remember? And I'd be like, no, not at all. So, I mean, parents, again, if you're telling your kids things, they may not remember, but maybe God is preparing them for something else. So, but I had this really good foundation of faith, and it was in high school that I started to make it my own, okay? Uh, I, I, I had a relationship with Jesus, and I was like, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. I wanna follow you, um, and that was cool. Uh, and it was, my life began to change in high school as I really started following Jesus and learning what it was like to follow him. But I started to have this, like, doubt, or this, these questions that I wasn't really sure about why I was a Christian. I knew I was a Christian. Um, and I guess I knew why I was a Christian, but I didn't know what my Christianity was for. I didn't know what, what it was for. Like, what is faith for? And, and the, the kind of crass explanation of what I was thinking at the time, what I was believing, was like, I have joined the Jesus Club, I'm in the Jesus Club, okay? I'm a a card-carrying member of the Jesus Club. Bible toting, worship song singing, member of the Jesus Club, okay? So I'm in the Jesus Club, and in the Jesus Club, you you sing songs, you read the scriptures, you you learn about them, and you don't do bad things, okay? You have to stop doing bad things, because it's only people who are not in the Jesus Club that do bad things. So I'm in the Jesus Club, I'm doing all the things, and I'm not doing, and I was like, okay, what's next? And it's like, well, I think we're just supposed to get other people to join the Jesus Club, okay? So we're get some other people in the Jesus Club. And uh, and so I tried to do that. I'm not very good at it. Um, God is very good at it and has used me more over the years, but I was like, at, at, at a point, I was like, is this it? Is this, is this, is this really what it's all about? It's like, I'm, I, I, I do the things that I'm supposed to do. Don't be bad, be good, and get people to join the Jesus Club. That's that not that sounds kind of dumb. It's like I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I want to make my life about that. And these are some of the questions that I was asking in high school. Um, and I'll, I'll never forget, um, I, was, I started going on college tours to figure out where it was that I was going to go to college. And I had a college in mind, and my parents were like, yeah, you could go there, but it's really expensive. We want you to look at some other schools. And I said, fine, I'll go tour some schools. So I toured Geneva College in Beaver, Pennsylvania. Anybody know where Geneva College is? Anybody, any graduates of Geneva College? No? No? Okay, cool. That's all right. Um, so Geneva College in, uh, in western Pennsylvania, and, in uh, Beaver, Pennsylvania. And we did the, like, you know, we had the tour, and they told us about what Geneva College is about and all the information. And then I was going to be studying religion and philosophy, so I went to the session where one of the professors there was going to talk about the Biblical mysteries Program. And I will never, ever, ever forget that session, because we went in, and he opened up Genesis 1. He opened it up, Genesis 1, and he read what I now know to be the cultural mandate, and it says this. It said, God said to human beings, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over every living thing that moves along the face of the earth. He, he opened this up to me, and a group of, like, I don't know 150 of us because it was a nice small Christian college and lots of people wanted to study Jesus and he opened it up to us and he said here's something you don't know about faith part of your job as a Christian is to make babies and I was like what? now don't worry parents I'm not going to go into detail um but like as a college student he was like that's part of your job I was like what what do you mean? That was never in the job description. I, I, wait a minute, back up. And he began to unpack this even more. And he said, not only that, you are called to be fruitful. He said, part of your job as a Christian is to go forth and bear fruit. Okay, and we often think of like good works. We're, we're called to produce. Okay, that's why they call it produce. You go to the produce aisle because the trees produced something Trees are a part of the production center, okay? And and part of our calling as Christians, when, when the scripture says, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, we are called to produce things, not just children, but like good work. We're called to work. Genesis 2 says that God put man and woman in the garden to work it and keep it. He didn't put them in there to lounge in it and eat bonbons in it. They were called to work at the beginning of all things. And as he unpacked that, he said, we are called to work in the creation. We are called to produce things. We are called to create communities. And and when those communities get too congested, we're going to spread out over the whole earth. And there's that... That little bit at the end where it says we're called to subdue the creation, okay? And that was an interesting one to me, and I was like, I've I've spent years kind of working through that, but when we hear this word subdue, what we're talking about is not like stamp down the creation, like get in your place there, you know? But there's this idea that the creation was lavish. It was lush with beauty and goodness and bounty. It was, in God's words, very good. And so our calling as Christians was to be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, reign it in. Because if, if the goodness of God was just allowed to go and do its thing, it would be all over the place. And there at Geneva College, I was like, huh, being a Christian is about a lot more than I originally thought. I think I want to know more about that. I didn't go to Geneva College. I went to Waynesburg University. Any Waynesburg people in here? Any of you know of Waynesburg? Any Waynesburg grads? No, that's OK. Waynesburg University. Go Jackets. It's a good place. So at Waynesburg, I, I really first encountered the CCO, who I now work for. There's a guy, his name was Steve Baudier. He was my campus minister. And he put up with relentless shenanigans on my part. and like. Oh, I don't have time for that. It's like, yeah, you do. You're just wasting your time. That was my life. Um, but Steve put up with me, and he continued to minister to me, and he invited me to this thing called Jubilee. And I went year after year after year after year, and I learned this story of creation, fall, redemption, restoration, what I now refer to as the true story of the whole world or the true story of, of Scripture. You see, Jubilee is a conference that works through those four chapters of the Gospel, the story of God, creation, fall, redemption, restoration, and it unpacks it for us so that we can understand whose story we're really living in and how it is that we are to live in that story. Jubilee, year after year, transformed my life. And then, um, As a senior, I had a campus minister, another one, Becky Giuliano, she was great, she's fantastic, still works for the CCO to this day. And after church one Sunday, she said, Evan, you're really good at this college ministry thing. I think you should do this full time. Have you thought about joining the CCO? And I was like, you have to raise money to do that, don't you? And she said, Well, yeah, that's part of it. I said, Yeah, no, thanks, I'm gone. So I ran away from the Lord for a little while did my own thing for a couple of years. He was gracious and taught me lots of things. But after a few years, I came back and I said, I'll go ahead and do that for like a year or two. Six and a half years later, here I am, and I love it, and it's great. So that's that's my story of how Jubilee transformed me and gave me purpose in life and vision for what God is doing in the world. And what is great about my job now is that I get to help other students walk that same journey. I get, I, I get to walk with other students as they learn what it is that faith is all about. That God's story has implications for every part of our life. Abby and I had the opportunity um, to walk through that journey with students the last several days. And uh, I want to walk you through that journey, like briefly, like within like 10 minutes or so or less. And so it's going to be a lot. If it feels like a fire hose of information coming your direction you're going to begin to understand Jubilee a little better, because that's what it's like. It's this fire hose of information coming at your way over a week, and you're just like, I don't know what to do with this. And then you get to process it over the rest of your life. And so I'm going to walk you through this. Um, Again, just bear with me. Um, If it feels like a lot, you'll start to get an understanding. Okay. So at Jubilee, it starts usually Friday night with this understanding of creation, and I've kind of walked through that, this idea that our life is about more than just getting people to join the Jesus Club, but in fact, in the beginning, God created, and it was good. God spoke goodness into the world. He created, and he created us to be co-creators, to be those who create alongside of him, okay? Okay? And in the beginning, he both spoke goodness into the world, and as our speaker uh, last—excuse me, Friday night—Ashley pointed out to us. She said, "God not only spoke goodness into the world, but he saw the goodness in the world." And she challenged us on Friday night, and asked us, "Are we speaking goodness into the world? Are we contributing to the goodness of creation?" How are we using our words to build up the good creation? And she challenged us, are we seeing the creation as God sees the creation? Are we viewing the world through God's eyes or through our eyes? And we prayed that God might help us to see the creation as good and full of life and potential I'm struck standing back here that, if y'all haven't noticed this before, there's someone painting in the back. She's not always there, but she's sometimes there, and she just happens to be there today. That's Nicole. Everybody can say hi to Nicole, just wave, you know. Um, Nicole is creating in the back right now. She's contributing to the goodness of the creation, and we were challenged to live into that cultural mandate to be fruitful to produce, to contribute to the goodness of the creation. Genesis 1 and 2 is the creation, but then we get to Genesis 3. Genesis 3 is one of my favorite chapters in the entirety of Scripture because it is Genesis 3 that helps me make sense of the fact that the world is not as it should be. I don't have to tell you this, friends. You know this. You have experienced it in your life. And I have zero doubt about that because all of us, for the last two years, have lived with a disease that reminds us on a daily basis that the world is not as it should be. That there is something deeply wrong in the world. You see, God's good creation was marred by sin. Adam and Eve did that which God told them not to do. He said, you have one job. Well, you have multiple jobs, but just don't eat from that fruit. That fruit, that's it. Just don't eat from that fruit. Everything else in bounds, that out of bounds. But Adam and Eve decided that they knew better than God and that they were going to take matters into their own hands. And so they took the fruit and they ate it. And the world has never been the same since. We heard from uh, a Dr. Kurt Thompson who is a psychologist in D.C. and has written books on shame and its effects on on us as humans and how that connects to the fall, to the brokenness. And he said, we don't just ask what's wrong with the world. We ask what happened to the world. What is the thing that made the world not as it should be and pointed to this uh, moment in the garden when everything fell apart? He talked about how we all tell stories that help us make sense of life. Oftentimes we have um, things that go on in our lives that are traumatic and that we don't understand. And so we tell ourselves stories to make make sense of them and to cope with them. And he said, we we were created to experience goodness and beauty and intimacy. And yet evil intends to take advantage of those longings. By deceiving us and tricking us into believing false stories about our lives. You all know this desire for goodness and beauty and longing and for life to work out the way that it should, and when it doesn't, we tell ourselves stories about why that is. And we come to believe stories about God that are not true. We come to believe stories about other people that are not true because evil is taking advantage of us. And he said, we must work to identify those stories and be formed by the one true story. Students spent time asking themselves, what stories are shaping my life? What narratives am I living by? Am I living by a narrative of, I'm not good enough? I'm not beautiful enough? I'm never going to be everything that I want to be. My life doesn't matter. My body doesn't matter. And as we examined those stories, we talked about what does it look like to live into stories of goodness that you do matter, that your life does matter, that you have a role to play in the kingdom, that you are created in the image of God, and no one else in the entirety of creation can tell you otherwise. So have hope. The fall is the worst part. But for me, it is also the most hopeful part because it doesn't get the last word. After the fall comes redemption. Friday night, we talk about creation. Saturday morning, we talk about the fall. And Saturday night, we talk about redemption. Saturday night... We confront students with this understanding that you've spent all day thinking about the fact that the world is not as it should be, that you are not as you should be, that evil has corrupted and broken down our existence, but God didn't give up on us. God didn't turn his back on his creation and say, you know what, that's it, I'm done with you. But from the very moment he found out what happened, he began to work a plan of salvation to rescue and redeem, to take back that which had been taken from him. And the rest of the Old Testament is God's plan working itself out over time to redeem lost, broken, evil sinners and to restore them to the the. The life they were supposed to live. Brian Loretz spoke to us. Um, We did things a little differently because of timing. We normally we would talk about restoration on Sunday morning and redemption Saturday night. We crammed it all into one session. But Brian Loretz talked to us about salvation, about redemption. He unpacked Matthew 4, where Jesus points to John the Baptist as the greatest of all time, the goat. He said, I want to talk to you about being the goat. He helped us understand that greatness can't be found in our circumstances, the things that change around us. We can't find greatness there. He said, we can't find greatness in our status and that we can't even find greatness in religion. As Jesus picks apart the Pharisees and says, you're not doing it. you, You want greatness, but that's not what's happening. You want to leave a legacy of greatness. Brian taught us that only in having our life tied to Jesus can we really leave a legacy of greatness. Only in being a part of what God is doing in the world can we leave a legacy. One of the things that stuck out to me from the weekend, he said this. Um, he he uh, spent a long time as a pastor in Memphis, where we've taken students in the past. And so I've spent some time in Memphis. And he said, I was a pastor in Memphis, Brian did. And he said, one of the things that Memphis is known for is being the, the site of the, the first 48 TV show. There's a lot of murders that happen in Memphis. Um, there's lots of killing. And he said, he said, you know, for all those years I lived in Memphis, there's only one killer that I remember. There's only one name, and that's James Earl Ray. He's the only one I remember. And He said, I don't remember James Earl Ray because he was a killer. I remember James Earl Ray because of who he killed. You see, James Earl Ray killed Martin Luther King Jr. It was only by having his name tied to such a man that James Earl Ray is remembered. He said, if we want to be remembered, if we want to leave a legacy, we have to tie ourselves to Jesus. We have to tie ourselves to what he did on the cross. We have to surrender ourselves to lay our lives down before him and believe that only in him is their life, that he is redemption. Brian challenged us to ask ourselves where we were fishing for greatness. And he reminded us that if we want to leave a legacy of greatness, that we need to tie ourselves to Jesus. We wrapped things up in restoration revelation this was mind-blowing for me when I first heard this stuff that that God is not in the business of just throwing away his creation he's not in the business of snatching people out of the world and be like well that's I'm done with that but I'll grab these people and I will take them and I'll we'll live forever in the sky and that's cool you know we'll just do our thing But in fact, if we read scripture, if we pick apart Revelation, what Revelation tells us is that God is in the business of defeating evil, of purging the world, of the corruption brought by evil. But when he does that, God is in the business of restoring his good creation. Revelation says that the new Jerusalem, where we are to live together with Jesus, we don't go to the new new Jerusalem, but the new Jerusalem comes down to us. John says, I saw a city descending on the clouds. Behold, the dwelling place of God will be with man. get out of Dodge. You see, for my whole life, I thought, man, I'm just going to get like swept out. That's not even a word. I'm just going to get taken out of this life, you know, and I'm going to, you know, live on the clouds and play a harp and, you know, probably wear a diaper and we're just going to sing praise songs all day. That's what heaven's going to be like. And if you ask me, that's terrifying. I don't want that existence. That sounds horrible, but you see what Revelation tells us is that God is in the business of redeeming and restoring the creation. Heather Strong-Moore is a CCO staff person who's been working for over 17 years with college students, and she took us home. She ended the conference, and she talked about our heavenly home. I thought that was fun to think about. She read Revelations 21 and 22 and had us imagine God's redeemed creation where the glory of the kings would be brought into the kingdom. I wanted to read you that that passage but I don't think we're going to have time. Have you ever heard the song on the saints come marching in? Oh when the saints come marching, come on Oh when the saints come marching in I don't know any of the words but I know it's a song, right? You know it's a song. Where do you think that song comes from? comes from the book of revelations when the saints come marching into the restored kingdom the new jerusalem revelation says that the glory of the kings will be brought into the kingdom what is the glory of the kings we kings and queens have been called to rule over god's good earth to be not the ultimate king but kings of the things that god has called us to rule over And you see, if we do that well, if we live as God has called us to live, creating, recreating, redeeming, taking back from evil, if we build things that are truly good and God-honoring in this life, I've come to believe that when God redeems and restores the whole world, that those things can be present in the new kingdom, in the new Jerusalem. Many of you know that I'm, uh, I'm, I'm an owner of a, a grilled cheese sandwich shop. My hope for that shop is that it can be good. That we can introduce people to the goodness of God. And that one day, just maybe, despite all of the impurities of it, that God will cleanse our work of any impurities. And that one day, Prophets Melt, sh- mel- <laughs> prophets melt Shop... I know my business. (laughs) Prophets' melt shop might have a place on a corner in the kingdom of heaven. And that people will walk in and they will get to experience the goodness of God through food. With God present with us. Friends, that's the hope that we have. Not that this life is fading away. But that one day it will be redeemed. Redeemed and restored, and we will live in this place with this wood, and these floors, and these bodies in the new creation. We can't get it there. Don't hear me wrong. We can't make it happen, but until the day it comes, we live into the kingdom as if it exists before it's even here. (sighs) Heather gave us three points to think about. She said, don't give up on your bodies. Which is so important for college students who are struggling so hard with depression and anxiety and peer pressure and, and, and um, self-image problems. She said, don't give up on your bodies. Don't believe the lies about your bodies. And so, friends, wherever you are at today, don't give up on your bodies. God wants to redeem and restore them. She pointed out the fact that Jesus was risen from the dead with his scars. That the disciples put their hands, their fingers, where the holes were. And she said this, she said, Jesus was raised with his scars, but without his pain. What a beautiful thought. She said, one day, we too who believe in Christ will be raised from the dead with our scars, but without our pain. That we will need us. she said, software update. <laughs> I thought that was cool. But that one day we will live in the kingdom with God. She said, don't give up on your bodies. She said, build the good. Be about the good work that we were called to at the beginning of all things, to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. And lastly, she said, we should honor the creation. We should honor the world that God had given us. When I teach this to my students, I often tell them, I said, imagine that I gave you the keys to my house and let you live there for like a year. I'm like, hey, here's my house. Here are the keys. Please take care of it. Rule over it well. Enjoy everything. You don't hold back. It's all for you but enjoy it. How would we expect them to, I was like, how, how do you think you should treat my house? Well, it's not yours, it's mine. But I'm letting you use it, but take care of it, but use it, but take care of it. But like, use whatever you want, but like, I don't know, take care of it. This is what God has done with the kingdom. And so when we live in the world, we are to honor the creation that God has made, that he has let us live in. Whew, I'm doing better than I thought I was gonna do, friends. Friends. I'll be honest with you. I know that's a lot of information. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. That's a lot. Now, uh, again, imagine trying to absorb even more information. Like, spend an hour on each of those, plus some breakout sessions, and do all of it on like three hours of sleep, and like heavy, heavy doses of caffeine. I mean, heavy doses of caffeine. That's what Jubilee is like. And over the last couple days, we got to do that with about 15 different students. As crazy as it sounds, they did it and it was amazing. And here's the thing, friends, I want you to know about Jubilee and I want you to know that story of creation, fall, redemption, restoration, and I want it to transform your lives. But what I'm here to tell you today is that there were students here over the weekend whose lives were transformed by that story. And I want you to hear it from them. And so I'm gonna ask Michaela and Leah to come up on stage. Why don't you guys give them a warm welcome. (laughs) So um, we have kind of two ends of the spectrum here, and I'm excited that they both volunteered. They, they jumped on this last night. I was like, hey, I need people. And they're like, we got you. And I was like, cool. So, um, But uh, Michaela is a first-year student studying nursing. I was like, I'm like, I know she's already kind of a nurse, but I think she's studying nursing. So she's a first year student um, studying nursing. Cool story. My mother in law, who's here today, text me, texted me about Michaela, who went to Bellwood. And she's like, hey, there's this girl. She's really cool. You should get connected. And then Texas Roadhouse, I was sitting there over a the steak going, hi, my name's Evan. I do campus ministry at Penn State Altoona. Do you want to come hang out with us sometime? And then I went back to my stake, and little did I know that Michaela was going to become a part of our ministry and an amazing part of our ministry, and we're super glad to have her as a part of what we've been doing. She was there. Um, And then Leah is a senior. She's been here for four years, and she's about to graduate. Pray for her. Um, She's got a lot of big decisions coming up, but this is her fourth Jubilee. She got to do two of them in Pittsburgh. Did I do that right? Third, I lied. She's going to tell you even more about that. I'm just going to turn it over to Michaela. I've been going too long. Michaela's going to tell you a little bit about her Jubilee experience. So,
1: hello, Uh, my name is Michaela, and I'm a freshman at Penn State Altoona in the nursing program. I signed up for Jubilee with every intention to grow in my faith. The week leading up to Jubilee, my mom was hospitalized in Pittsburgh. Even though she was out there, I still felt this strong urge to show up to Jubilee and experience something amazing that God had so perfectly laid in front of me. Everyone from CCO um, had told me that this would be life-changing and something I would remember for a lifetime, and let's just say they were not wrong. I walked into this very building broken, doubting, not sure where my life was supposed to go, and truly questioning what my purpose in living for Jesus looked like. I knew who God was, but wasn't sure if I was all in and was ready to let Him have complete control over my life. I left knowing exactly what it was that God had wanted for my life. He opened my eyes to not realize, not only through the main sessions, but through the small breakout sessions, that there was so much more to my broken heart than I had ever even began to imagine. You see, we think that, like, going to church and reading the Bible and praying to God and doing good deeds is enough to get us into heaven. And sure, all those things are great factors in getting us there, but there's so much more than that. We are to completely give ourselves to God in such a way that we don't even wake up in the morning without praying to him first and thanking him for letting us see another day. We focused on four main themes, like Evan mentioned, during our time at Jubilee. Creation, the fall, redemption, and restoration. They all made a significant impact on my life as a Christian and how I choose to serve God going forward, but the one that stuck out the most for me was redemption. I was being given a second chance to do life better than I was before. How awesome is it that our God gives us opportunities like this? Not only did I feel like I had a complete transformation, but others could see how God was being a light in my life and how he was speaking through me. One of the many questions that came up during Jubilee was, how do you want to leave a legacy of greatness? On any other day before Jubilee, I wouldn't have been given an answer, but this question will forever be something I strive to answer in such a way that you know that it's God clearly speaking through me. This very question also was my realization that I had been transformed and this was my redemption to make my life whole again and serve God 110%. I work as a nurse, for those who don't know me, and I come across many of my patients who are unsure of their purpose on this earth and why God kept them here when they are better off in heaven. Some openly inform me of their beliefs and this allows me to be vulnerable with them and dive into the word of God. Obviously, they're questioning their purpose, and I simply respond with, well, your story is not over yet, and there is something that God wants you to go and spread his word through your experiences and your story. And 10 years from now, I want them to look back on their life when they were at their lowest and remember me. Not so much my name, because that's not important, but remember that there was someone there for them that was also a Jesus follower that knew that their journey had just begun and this was a way to bring others out of the darkness and into the light of Jesus. With all of this being said, being able to experience Jubilee while my mom was two and a half hours away in the hospital has brought me closer to the God that creates, the God that saves, the God that heals, the God that forgives, and the God that leads us to our purpose. There have been many times in the last couple of months where I have questioned my path and what I truly am meant to do. Nursing school and college have been hard. But it's encounters like this one where God speaks directly to us through others and through our experiences that we are shown where we are meant to be, even though the road getting there was rough. Titus 2.11 says your life can tell Jesus' story, and there is no better testimony than when we pray for clarity and it's literally laid right in front of us. Then we can rejoice and tell everyone about the God who saves our soul. That is the legacy of greatness I want to bring to others. I want other Christian followers to know that their stories aren't finished and to keep spreading the word of God till their race is run and it is finished. Thank you.
2: Hi, my name is Leah. I'm senior here at Penn State Altoona. And so I've attended Jubilee three years and the first two were in person, which was an awesome and amazing experience. And then, so this one, last one, was a little different, but still, still, like, amazing and powerful. Um, But so, I'm going to talk about the creation in the fall and then kind of bring it all together. So, with the creation, what really stood out to me was that when God speaks, it wasn't with hesitation or delay. And, like, it was done right away. And that just really spoke to me, not sure why, um, in the beginning, but then kind of stood out to me later. But then it also stood out to me that when God was making things, he also saw, and he saw that they were good, and he gave us that stamp of goodness. Like, God didn't just make the earth, and i be like, oh, yeah, that's good, and then, like, make mankind and be like, ah, he made mankind and saw that it was good, and so he made each and every one of us and saw that it was good, and that really spoke to me then, and so with the fall, it kind of started out talking about how, like, the descent started with an intimate conversation, and how, like, God made us in an intimate way, and then it kind of went into, like, shame, and how, like, once it's embedded, it grows until we share it, but the way we remember it is the way that we're going to shape the experience, and so when we turn away from telling our story, it allows us to live into telling Jesus' story, but so then, like, with the four main sessions, there's the breakout sessions where we get to go and choose different things, and there was one that really stood out to me, and I was like, I really, like, need to go to this. really don't want to put down that I want to go to this. And so I walked away from the table, and then I came back later and saw that Mark put his name down for the loneliness and solitude one that I was thinking i going to. And I was like, all right, since Mark's doing it, I can put my name down. Let's go. Like, we're just doing this. And so the first thing that was said was that loneliness is not shameful. And that's like, okay, all right. (laughs) Um, But so sometimes we avoid it by keeping busy and I know that I do that every single day. And then she kind of went into how like, she put out a poll and was like, how would you describe being lonely? And some of the examples were like isolation, being misunderstood, feeling like you have no friends when you do, and that was me this week. And here I am saying that I am like those things sometimes. And I would not have the strength to say that if it wasn't for God. And so she kind of went into talking about Elijah in First Kings, how like the Lord provided protection while he napped and provided food for him and that he was compassionate when he was at his lowest. And so just keeping in mind that God will show us compassion when we are in a low moment. Um, but then she also brought up this quote from I forget What Movie, and it was like, If you're wearing, like, headphones and listening to music when you're running, like, you're, like, you're not being, you're not allowing yourself to be alone with your thoughts. And while I don't run, like, I definitely put on music a lot to get away from my thoughts. Um, And that kind of went into this being with the solitude and how, like, we're staying busy so that we're not alone with our thoughts. And how, like. In Exodus 34, um, when Moses Moses spent time alone with God, his face glowed. And so knowing that like, when I got to spend time alone after things like started coming together and realizing how much God loves me and it's more than anybody else could and how important that is to remember.
0: Thanks Thanks, guys. how about that? Let's give another round of applause. That's, I'm so thankful for both of them. Leah has been on our leadership team this year and, and helped kind of guide uh, the club and where it's going. And uh, I have strong suspicions that Michaela is headed that direction as well. I haven't told her that yet. So shh, don't tell her. She's like, What? I could talk about Jubilee all day. But I'm not, don't worry. So I want to bring it to a close with this. 2 Corinthians 2, starting at verse 7. You remember at the beginning of this service, we read the story of Moses spending time with God. And when he was with God on the mountain, he was transformed by that time. And when he went back to the other people, his face shone. I don't know exactly what that means. Like I know my wife, her face like shines sometime and I'm like, yeah, you're beautiful. Maybe like that. I don't know. But the scripture says that when God or when Moses spent time before God, his face was so impressive to the people that he had to hide it because they would become overwhelmed. Paul says in 2nd Corinthians, double check I was going to read chapter 2, I'm glad I looked. Chapter 3, starting at verse 7. Paul says, Now if the ministry of death, carved in letters on stone, came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, how much more will what is permanent have glory? Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened for to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses has read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and, we're, excuse me, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is Freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. You see this story of creation fall. Redemption, restoration, this story of scripture, this true story of the whole world should transform us. As we who believe in Jesus, we don't go about our lives as if it is not true, as if it does not matter. Jubilee, the entire conference, is about understanding that Everything belongs to God. That everything, that there is not a single square inch over the whole creation over which God as Savior does not say, that is mine, I care about that, I have something to say about that. Jubilee at its essence, the conference is meant to bring people, to bring students before the face of God so that they can hear the glory of his story, that they can understand the goodness of the creation, the bounty and the potential which God planted in it, that they might understand their role as image bearers and creators but that they might also understand that evil has taken hold of the world and corrupted it in endless ways, but that God sent his Son to rescue us from darkness, to rescue us from that corruption, and to set us free to live into the new kingdom, to live not as if death still reigns, Not as if sin still has hold of our lives, but as if Christ has already come, he has already won the war, and he has installed us as rulers over his creation once again that we might recreate, that we might do good work to the glory of God as we wait for Christ to come in fullness and to restore all things to their intended state, to make all things new again. As students begin to understand that story and their place in it and are transformed by it, we call them to go. We say go. Go into all the world and tell that story. Tell that story to everyone you meet. And live that story in everything that you do. That all things matter to God. So how do you do the redeeming work of creation as a doctor? As a nurse? As an engineer? As a butcher? A baker? A candlestick maker? All of these things can bring glory to God. Because they will one day be part of God's new world. And we say go into all the world and shine with an unveiled face. Show the world your transformation, that they might be transformed in the same way that you are. Thank you again for choosing the Vineyard Altoona podcast. We're so excited to see how God will release his kingdom in and through you today for the glory of Jesus Christ. With this, be blessed, and we'll see you next time.